Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hardware Savvy Podcast, where we talk about everything technology. And today, I'd like to talk to you about vulnerabilities found in Bluetooth Low Energy that gives hackers access to numerous devices. We have a lot of devices that use Bluetooth, such as our phones, our cars, our Bluetooth headsets, and so on and so forth. See, a critical flaw found in the Bluetooth Low Energy receivers may grant cybercriminals entry to anything from personal devices such as phones or laptops to even cars and houses. If the Bluetooth technology has vulnerability, then it kind of leaves all of these devices pretty vulnerable for cyber attacks. So this company called NCC Group found a vulnerability that can be actually used to gain access to your devices. Let's talk about what it is and how you can protect yourself from it. See, the Bluetooth technology actually scans a whole bunch of users around you to try to connect to their devices. And this has been able to be faked as part of the research, which could affect anyone from an average consumer to organizations, even businesses that are just trying to use Bluetooth locks to lock their doors. This issue is believed to be something that can be easily patched over or just an error in a Bluetooth specification. The crazy part is that what makes this powerful is not only that we can convince a Bluetooth device that we are near it, even from hundreds of miles away, but we can also do it even if the vendor has taken defense mitigations. So the vulnerability allows people to pretty much hack the Bluetooth, allowing it to think that there's someone next to them, although you are located really, really far away. And you can then just connect to the device. These Bluetooth systems are used to lock items such as vehicles or residences that are using Bluetooth proximity authentication mechanisms. And the crazy part is that these can be broken with just off-the-shelf parts from radio stores. So what devices exactly can be affected by this? Cars with automotive keyless entry, laptops with Bluetooth proximity unlock feature, mobile phones like the ones that you are currently using, residential smart locks, building access control systems, and asset and medical patent tracking. And as for the cars, you want to hear something really interesting? One of the specified vehicles known to be affected by this exploit are the Tesla Model 3 and Y. Now that we know what it is, what are the ways to protect your assets against this flaw? So what are the things that we can do to protect ourselves? It's really three things, and the first one has to do with manufacturers. Manufacturers can reduce the risk by disabling this proximity key functionality. When the user's phone or the key fob has been stationary for a while. How exactly can you do this? Well, you can use the accelerometer if somebody, for example, uses a key on their phone. Uh, you can detect if they're moving it or not. If they're not moving around for a while, you can just disable this functionality. If somebody's not moving around for a while and they're trying to unlock a door, most likely it is not a real human being. The number two has to do with the system makers, uh, and they should give customers the option of uh, providing a second factor for authentication for user presence. For example, tap to unlock or an app on a phone. The two-factor authentication is a really interesting topic that I'm going to cover hopefully in tomorrow's episode. I'd really like to point out that this is one of the probably best ways that you can currently use to protect yourself from your passwords being stolen and your accounts being accessed. But about that in tomorrow's episode. Let's talk about the third thing we can do to protect ourselves. The users of the affected product should disable passive unlock functionality that does not require the explicit approval or just disable Bluetooth on mobile devices when it's not needed. This is a direct recommendation from this company that tries these hacks. And honestly, I would highly recommend you to turn off your Bluetooth if you're not using it. There's definitely a low chance that somebody's going to try to hack you or your phone. However, if you are concerned about your privacy, 
then if I were you, I would just turn off your Bluetooth at times when you're not using it. If you have an Android phone, what you can do is you can double swipe your notification bar down and you can just tap on the Bluetooth quick access menu and it's just gonna shut down. If you have an iPhone, you can just pull down your finger from the top right corner from the top of your screen down and it's gonna open up, I think it's called the action control and you can just disable Bluetooth like so. Now we just have to hope that everything gets patched up and we become secure again. And finally, on the topic of privacy, I'd like to talk to you about Google and how they handle your privacy on Android phones, for example. In some of my recent videos, I've shown you how to turn off the advertisement toggles just so Google does not target you with advertisement. But as it turns out from the current Google I.O. 2022, a lot of keynote speakers came on a stage and it looks like, unfortunately, none of them really seem to understand what proper privacy actually means. Or maybe they just, they know it, but they just don't want to admit it. As a refresher, I'm sure you are aware that Google's primary business remains that of selling ads. Whether you're using search, watching YouTube, or browsing the Play Store, Google tracks what you're up to and builds up a personal advertising profile. It can use that to target ads with maximum efficiency and therefore revenue. Obviously, us users, we don't like this kind of practice, especially as it's virtually impossible to truly control and audit the data collected on us. But we just read through these end-user agreements and just accept it at the price of uh, free services. And as it was announced at the uh, I.O. 2022, uh, Google unveiled its latest solution to appease us with more privacy-conscious approach to the whole thing. And it's called My Ad Center. As it turns out, in the not-so-distant future, Google users will have a swanky little UI and features that can navigate to customize their ad experience. We here are a savvy bunch, and we are going to definitely use this feature in order to get a more granular control after our privacy. It's a welcome improvement, no doubt. Realizing that there's a lot of pushback from the privacy-conscious community, Google is trying to change the, the entire sentiment to pushing ads down our throats using cookies to us actually choosing to be targeted with ads. So it's definitely a move towards users volunteering data rather than the cookie-based profiling we've all been accustomed to. At the current moment, it's really difficult to find these controls because they're kind of bared away really, really far in the operating system as well as in, in the Google's website. As the new Android operating systems are going to roll out, I would just ask you to pay close attention to this new feature coming out. If you do see this feature being added to your phone and it's called the My Ad Center, please take a look into it. If you follow me on the podcast as well as on the social media sites, then I'll definitely keep you updated on this. I think the big test for the My Ad Center will undoubtedly be whether it suffers from the same infuriating pitfalls of other quote-unquote privacy-conscious initiatives like GDPR-mandated pop-ups and app permissions, which we get every single time we visit websites. My belief is that those are just all busy work, moving papers around and annoying users with countless things to press without making such a difference at all. Like, when was the last time you've actually read the privacy policy of a website you visited or the cookie consent you've pressed, I accept? I definitely think Apple's doing a much better job than Google. And Google is yet to follow Apple's move to make apps ask users for permission and making tracking opt-out by default. And this is what I like and respect a lot about the iPhone, that it's just become really privacy conscious and it doesn't allow apps to track you by default. 
They either have to ask you or you have to actually turn on the toggle for the apps to be able to track you with their trackers for ads and so on and so forth. It's a great thing to have. It's something that uh, Android users don't currently have. But to Google's credit, it's showing some tentative signs of moving away from this old blanket approach, a slightly more voluntary model of data collection. And finally, I'd, I'd just like to say this, that ultimately the issue the users like you and I have with the aggressive data harvesting practices of Google, uh, Facebook, TikTok, all these companies, isn't that they can't fine tune their preferences. It's the level of data collection in the first place. And as users become aggravated with all this data collection and start to become more familiar with it, that it actually exists, I know what Google is trying to do. They're just trying to find the right balance without upsetting its core audience, the business model. Does Google actually have the guts to incorporate a feature where it's going to automatically opt out from tracking you on all apps? I don't think so. But only time will tell. I kind of have a feeling they're going to try to pretend to be all goody two-shoes and we'll just add a feature into my ad center that's going to allow you to remove the identifiable information from search. So, aka, they're going to still track you, but it's just not going to identify you back to exactly who you are. I don't know, only time will tell, but keep an eye on the My Ad Center. This was my today's technology rant. Thank you so much for listening to it and joining the podcast. If you enjoy it, consider hitting the follow button. I'd like to thank you for your attention, and I cannot wait to have you back tomorrow. Stay savvy.